Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shoftim. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Shoftim contains 41 mitzvos, 14 positive, and 27 restrictions. The Parsha begins with the mitzvah of appointing judges within the Jewish community. There is the Sanhedrin of 71, the High Court, there's only one of those for the entire nation, and that judges, uh, especially national circumstances, it judges the king, it judges the high uh, priest, uh, it declares war if and when that is necessary for the Jewish community. There is the court of 23, which each tribe has a Sanhedrin katana of 23, which uh, tried capital cases, and then there is the court of three, which judges monetary cases. The literal translation of the opening verse is, Shoftim v'shotrim, literally, judges and officers to implement the judgment. Titein l'cha, you are to place b'chol she'orecha in all your cities. And I just want to tell you that while this is true, comes along the Shalah HaKadosh, and he says, of course, that's what the verse means. But in addition to the Torah speaking to the nation and community, that it is to have law courts, the Torah, by using the word titain l'cha in the singular, the Torah is talking to each individual. And while this might not be the literal translation of the text, this is certainly understood with the hashkafa of our Torah, and that is judges and officers shall each individual place b'chol she'orecha over each of your individual Sha'arim, which are literally gates or openings which you have. And therefore, says the Shalom Kadosh, the Torah is saying that the Torah is appointing each individual to be vigilant and careful over their five senses, the sense of sight, and therefore the Sha'ar of the uh, opening of vision, that which a person sees, the taste, the sense of touch, whereby the ability to touch those things which are appropriate and those which are unfortunately inappropriate. The sha'ar of taste, the sha'ar of our hearing, and that's why, interestingly, the earlobe fits into one's ear. The rabbis tell us that if somebody is unfortunately speaking Lashon Hora, you're given that immediate instinct of closing the gate. And finally, the sense of smell as to what is and what is not appropriate. And so, it is not once again by chance. We read the Torah, starting with Bereshis, 
on the Simchas Torah and Shabbos Bereshis, we conclude the Torah annually on Simchas Torah, and we are now halfway into the book of Devarim, as we are in Chodesh Elul, two weeks away from Rosh Hashanah. The Sfardim are already almost two weeks into Slichos, and therefore one could, should, stop and glean from the first Pasuk the idea that we have to govern and judge and police ourselves as well. I'd like to share with you a very interesting insight presented by Reb Eliezer Schlesinger of Eretz Yisrael in his Eile Hadvarim on the Torah and he at that point provides a very interesting insight as to on the one hand how difficult it is to do tshuva. What does that mean? To repent and change your ways. The last thing this Dvar Torah is to discourage, no, just the opposite. I just want people to realize that we're not always able to see this in ourselves. If we hear about it and can see it in others and realize that others can be so stubborn in their ways, then hopefully we can learn from their tragic mistakes and we can, please God, change our behavior. And so the first historical point coming from Tanakh, and in reality there are three examples that we're going to see from Tanakh. The first one being the case of Yoshua at the end of chapter 6 when the Jewish people successfully conquer Yericho, the first city that they captured. So Yoshua number 1 imposed on the people that they were not to take for themselves of the spoils of the city because after all to the victor belong the spoils they were not the victor it was God who was the victor they didn't lose a single man in battle and therefore the spoils were to go literally to and for the holy and not for the soldiers themselves and in addition what do we find that Yoshua imposed an oath on the Jewish nation and this is the last verse of chapter 6 in the book of Yoshua. Yoshua made the people swear the following, Orur ish, cursed is the man, lifnei Hashem before God, asher yokum uvana es ha'ir hazos es who will in the future 
rise up and, re and rebuild this city which had been destroyed by Yehoshua. Whoever builds it, what will happen? Bivchoro Yiyas Dena, with his oldest child, meaning with the death of his oldest child. He will lay its foundation and Uvitsiro Yatsiv Seho. And with his youngest child, the death of his youngest child, he will set up its gates, its doors. And so, this is found in the last Pasuk of chapter 6 in the book of Yoshua. We fast forward a few hundred years and we are at the last verse of Malachim Aleph. Okay, and this is chapter tw uh, 16, verse 34. And what does it say over there? In the days of King Achav and Queen Isabella, terrible people, Biyamav, in his day, Banachiel Besoeli Esiricho, a man called Chiel built Yericho, Baaviram Bechoro Yisda, with the death of his son Abiram, did he lay its foundation. Now stop. Put yourself in this man's mindset. Everybody was aware of this curse. Sure enough, his oldest son dies. What would you have done at that time? Well, you wouldn't have laid it. You're right. And now what? You certainly would have stopped. What is the last Pasuk in chapter 16 of Malachim Aleph teach? And Nebach Nebach, with the death of Seguv, his youngest, he installed its doors. Kidvar Hashem, literally, like the word of Hashem, Asher Diber, who had spoken, Biyad Yoshua Benun. Rather than admit that he was wrong, this, and we can use any negative adjective that you would want, most foolish individual, Chiel, because he had committed himself and had everything ready prepared for the building of this city, would not call off his plans, would not admit that he was wrong, even though the truth was staring him in the face, and Lo'alenu, he sacrificed his sons, including the last one, when after all, he did install the doors. But look at the price that he paid. And what do we learn from this? That there are some individuals that are so committed to their defiance of what is right, that they will, forgive me, go down with the ship. They will not 
be man enough to say that I was wrong heretofore, and rather will continue with their foolishness. And interestingly, the Yalkut Shimoni in Malachim Aleph, another chapter later, at the beginning of chapter 18, makes the following observation, that when Elio Anavi, in that famous Haftorah, challenges the 450 false prophets to come to Kahar HaKarmel, and a Mizbeach is built, whereby whichever side can bring down the fire from heaven to consume the Korban, that is the true God, and Eliyahu says to the 450 false prophets, you are the majority, you go first. So what happened? Our rabbis tell us that they knew they couldn't do it. They needed somebody to be underneath the Mizbeach who would mechanically bring fire and make it look as if it came down from the heaven. And who was that person that volunteered for it? None other than Chiel. What happened? God caused a snake to come and bite him while he was under the uh, Mizbeach and he was killed. And therefore, they were all proven to be false. But amazing, till the very end, he held on tenaciously. The second thing we find is that in the days of Yirmiyahu, there was a false prophet. His name was Hananya bin Azor. And he told the people, don't listen to Yirmiyahu. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And Yirmiyahu prophesied that this man would die that year. He was on his deathbed, Erev Rosh Hashanah. And what were his last words to his family? Instead of saying to his family, I was wrong, Yirmiyo was right, Hashem Elohim, no. He said, please, don't bury me today. Wait until after Rosh Hashanah, so to disprove Yirmiyo that I didn't die that year amazing, amazing what's on the mind of a person that even though he sees the honest truth uh, showing him in the face, he can't be big enough to say, I was wrong. And finally, Yeruvim ben Nevat, who was chosen to be the king over the ten tribes of Israel. But unfortunately, as we find at the end of the Gemara, Ta'anis, he forbade the people from going to Yerushalayim, to the Beis Hamikdash, afraid that they would join Rechavim, who was king over Yehuda and Binyamin. So what happened? The, um, he, he was offering incense to the idolatry, and the Navi came, and the Navi came to him and said, look here, the Mizbeach that you are standing on, this altar, is going to break apart, and the ash is going to fall, etc. And, listen carefully, at that point there, the Navi, excuse me, Yeruvim ben Nevat pointed his hand, stretched out his hand, and said, catch him, take him. And what happened was, his hand was paralyzed. And, he says to the prophet, please help me, 
And what happened? The Navi helps him. And then what happens? You're not going to believe this. Vatoshov Yad HaMelech Elav, the sensation of his hand was returned to him. And literally it means it was like before. But our rabbis understand it to mean no. Not that the hand was right before, but that Yeruvim ben Nevat was like before. He too did not learn from this experience. My friends, this, these powerful lessons teach. We see it in the next one. People that are so stubborn and will unfortunately not admit that the road that they have taken is not the right one. And therefore, we pray every day. Hashem, we can't do it alone, but we want to do the right thing. Help us come back to your Torah. And therefore, Baruch Ato Hashem, you who desire tshuva, repentance of man, please help us. What a powerful lesson to learn as we approach Rosh Hashanah. Shabbat Shalom to all.